News Talk 580 CFRA presents the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. And we are ready to go. It is 7.07. Welcome to the show. Got the big guns in tonight. Alex off. Lior is back and doing it. So uh, your phone calls, bring them on. 613-521-TALK. 613-521-TALK with your questions about uh, your job, employment, maybe returning to work, maybe getting over the COVID thing and your workplace is starting to open up slowly. I have questions about that. Remember your temporary layoff. Doesn't matter. Bring it on. We got uh, close to an hour to answer those. The phone lines are open. It's a, it's a nice evening. The, uh, the email, by the way, is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That website is absolutely free of charge. It's anonymous and there's tons of information for you to, uh, to read through there and contact if you, uh, if you so choose. If not, just walk away and, uh, and be the wiser. 613-521-TALK. Again, the number to call into the station over the next hour and ask your questions. Uh, we'll get to that and very common questions that Lior gets asked pretty much every day and has been for years. So we'll get to those as well. But first, the, uh, the week that was. How are you, bud? Hey, John. Uh, doing well. You know, enjoying yep. the warm weather. Of course, uh, this week my uh, air conditioning decides to, to go kaput. So uh, I'm, I'm schwitzing here, but that's okay. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, you know, the nice weather will continue. No complaints. But it's been a yeah. very, very busy week for me, answering a lot of questions about uh, people's jobs, people's workplace. You know, I, I would say that most questions I've been getting fall in two categories. Either people that are, are asking about going back to work and their rights and what the employer can ask them to do and not ask them to do, or mm-hmm. people who are now being told that they're, there's no jobs for them and we're talking about what compensation they're owed. So if you have any questions about your job, your severance, because you lost it, now you're not coming back to work, or maybe your employer wants you to go back to work, but you don't know if you have to, or maybe you're concerned about your safety or your pay is going to be changed, Anything and at all to do with your job, now is the time, now is the place. Take advantage. We're here till almost 8 o'clock this evening to answer those questions. Uh, we want your calls because there's solutions, there's answers. The law is still here to protect you and give you guidance and help, and that's what we want to do. And if you don't want to get on air but you still have questions, not a problem at all. We'll give you my contact information throughout the show. You can reach out, you can phone, you can email. If there's ever been a time when you can't just ignore those questions, when you have to ask them, now is the time. Yeah. Uh, and to get us started and revved up uh, uh, this evening, John, a couple of situations that came across my desk. These both fall in the category of, of situations where you want to go back to work or, or dealing with going back to work. So uh, I spoke with the, uh, a gentleman who had gone back to work and uh, very recently after uh, his business reopened, uh, but he noticed right off the bat on his first day there that the business, the owner, was not observing any social distancing measures. So employees are were allowed to, to be congregating together. Nothing was put in place to ensure that people are, are safe and apart. There was no limit uh, in terms of people in the workplace. There was no uh, masks. There was no hand sanitizer, literally nothing. It's as if business as usual. Uh, and when he went home, he... he you know, he realized, wait a second, this is not right. And the next morning, he called his employer and said, I don't want to come in because I'm concerned about my safety here. I'm concerned about not being able to uh, avoid this virus. His employer said, well, too bad. We think it's fine. You know, there's not a lot of cases in our area. You got to come in. He refused and his employer sent him a note saying, well, you've resigned. So here's the thing. This person called me. Of course, that's not a resignation. 
we all have a right to be safe in the workplace. That's such a fundamental right. That's a right we always have, but it's especially true right now. And your employer has the obligation to take every measure, every measure that the government has indicated uh, is should be taken in order to ensure safety and social distancing, etc. They, if they don't want to or if they can't do that, they should not open. So you're allowed to refuse to go to work if social distancing is not in place. You're allowed to refuse work if it's going to be unsafe. You can't be punished for that. That's not a resignation. So in this case, obviously, this person's owed compensation. It's not a resignation. And I wanted to remind employees and employers here that when it comes to safety, there really is no room for uh, exceptions. If your workplace is not safe, you should not be working. It should not be open. And you're not res- Resigning if you refuse to work in an unsafe work environment. If this is you or someone you know or something in a related topic, you can uh, you can bring that up as well. Six one three five two one. Talk to call the radio station now over the next hour to reach out to Lior afterwards. By the way, for a more private conversation, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Uh, you got another matter going on. What's that? I do. I spoke earlier today actually with a lady who. Uh, uh, suffers from uh, diabetes. She also has a uh, asthma and a heart condition that, that she had to deal with. So her doctor said to her, no way are you going to be going to work uh, now. It's too risky. If you catch the virus, that's it. You're, you're not going to make it because of all those pre-existing conditions. So she got a note from her doctor saying that she cannot work. And when her employer called her back to work, she gave the employer the note. Her employer said, well, uh, you, you don't have the virus and, and we're ensuring social distancing so we think you're safe to come to work so because of that we're allowed to open we expect you in and she contacted me right away and she wanted to know well can they make me go in even though my doctor says i should be off well the answer and i hope our regular listeners know this the answer is no they can't your doctor is judge and jury when it comes to your ability to work and if your doctor says you cannot work that's it your employer cannot question that. Your employer cannot uh, ask for a second opinion or ignore it in any way. In this situation, her employer decided that given her condition, she should not be working right now. That's it. That's all they're allowed to, to, to know the employer. So that's not a resignation if she doesn't come in. They can't let her go because of this. She can't be disciplined or punished in any way. So if you are unable to work uh, because of a health reason, you do need something from a doctor. You can't simply decide, I'm, I'm feeling unsafe. That's unfortunately not good enough. But if your doctor supports you and it says and gives you a note in writing that says you cannot or should not work, that mm-hmm. allows you to be off work. That allows you also to continue getting a compensation through the CRB system. Get that doctor's note. Your employer can't do anything to you. If they still give you a hard time, you want to reach out to me and I'll help you set it straight. Good way to stretch our legs, that opening uh, opening piece right there. We'll take a short break and get right back to it. In the meantime, time for you to grab a phone and make the phone call. Ask your questions, 613-521-TALK, 613-521-TALK, and help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get right back at Employment Law Show. News Talk 580-CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer, Lior Samfiru, on News Talk 580 CFRA. 
718, and we are right back at it. Hope you are as well. The phone call, 613-521-TALK. Don't hesitate. You have questions about your job, going back to work, or possibly not back at work yet. Uh, I've been told you've been put on a temporary layoff in these COVID times. Trust me, make the phone call, 613-521-TALK. Is the way to do that here for the remainder of the show on air, help at employmentlawyer.ca. That would be the email address. Very common questions you get every day. I know you had to uh, kind of whittle this list down a little bit, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I really wanted to focus on, on some very common questions that I get, not necessarily COVID-related questions, but the types of questions that I get so often that I know a lot of people are maybe facing or are facing in the workplace. Yep. And we want to talk about those situations and hopefully give you some guidance and help if you're in that situation or if you're ever in that situation in the future. First one is this, what can I do if I believe that my boss is setting me up in order to can me? And, you know, th- this happens, and, and certainly it's a question that I get very often. I believe that they're setting me up. I believe they want me to either quit or they want to set me up to let me go. What do I do about it? Well, keep in mind that if you believe that you're being set up, well, you have to say something about it, and you have to say something about it to those that are supposedly setting you up. And I'm not suggesting that you say, you're setting me up to let me go. But if they are saying you did something wrong and that's not true, say it. If they said that you were not working uh, well or working hard and you don't agree, then say so and explain why. If you've gotten discipline that you don't agree with, say why you disagree with it, etc., uh, etc. Et Every time that something happens that you don't agree with, that you think it's really a setup or it's an excuse for something else, make sure you, you set the record straight and in writing. Oftentimes when an employer does that, when they, they give you discipline that's unwarranted or they criticize you for things that shouldn't be criticized, what they're trying to do is build a case so that at some point they can say, look at all these things we have, now we can let the employee go for cause. Well, if you're silent about it, if you don't say anything about it, it's as if you've agreed with it. So that's going to make it very difficult when the company wants to let you go to say, hey, you know all those things that I never said anything about? Those were not legitimate. So if they're not legitimate, say so and say so now. The other piece of advice is if you have a meeting with someone and you, you go back and you say, gosh, I wish there was a record of this meeting. I wish I had it in writing or recording or whatever it is uh, of what was said. Not a problem. Go back to your office, send an email to the person simply saying, uh, here's what we talked about and here's what you said and here's what I said. Create that record yourself. You'll be glad that you did. By doing all those things that I've just said, you, were, you will make it that much more difficult for the company to let you go, that much more difficult for the company to even try to contemplate not paying you severance. So if keep those in mind. And if you are let go, of course, reach out to me. We, should, we have a lot to discuss in that case. Always reach out. Outside the show, by the way, again, one 821 5900 But for here and now, you want to call on the air, get some quick questions answered, 613-521-TALK. That is the way you do that. What, or at least uh, do I have to accept going on a temporary layoff? This has probably been the biggest question over the last, I don't know, seven weeks you've probably had at the office, right? Yeah, it's always been a fairly common question for as long as yeah. I've been practicing law. But my gosh, I've literally gotten that thousands of times, and that's not a figure of speech, literally thousands of times uh, since mid-March. Uh, do I have to go on the layoff? What are my rights if my employer lays me off? And you may think that because millions of people across the country have been laid off temporarily because of COVID-19, that, well, it must mean that that's allowed. It must mean that that's something an employer can do. Well, no, an employer, despite COVID-19, is not allowed to temporarily lay off an employee. 
Now, keep in mind, we're only talking about non-union individuals. It's different for unionized employees, but we're talking about non-union employees. An employer is not allowed to lay off temporarily. Now, what I mean by that is, in the eyes of the law, a temporary layoff for most people is considered a termination. So even though your employer is not saying that they're letting you go, they're simply saying, we're laying you off temporarily. You have the right, the employee has the right to treat that as a termination and require the company to pay them their full severance. So if you're laid off temporarily, you have a choice. You can choose to accept the layoff and stay at home and see what happens. That's fine. Or you can treat that layoff when it happens to be a termination of employment and require the company to pay you severance. Now, there's a number of reasons why you may want to consider that. One of them may be that uh, you, you want to get paid your severance now because you need the money. You also don't want to set a precedent. If you accept the layoff, you give the company the right to do it again and again and again. So there's a number of things to consider here. But no, for most people, John, a temporary layoff is a termination of employment. Or maybe it would be worth considering that if they're laying you off now. Maybe your spidey sense is thinking, ah, oh, these guys are getting a little lean, a little, uh, a little uh, unbusy. Maybe they might be uh, shutting things down. I want to get out while the getting's good, right? Yeah, it, it's certainly something to consider. If you think that waiting too long may mean that the company doesn't have the ability to pay you if you wait too long, well, again, yeah. because legally the law says you can you can get severance now, then it may make sense to get it now rather than wait and see what happens. Uh, it, it's the law, you know. It's not an opinion. It's not uh, something that 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 is, is what I think. It doesn't matter what I think. That's simply John how the law works. Again, 613-521-TALK. If you have questions about this topic or any other, we're working our way down the list of the very common questions that uh, you get every day. Another one is this. Why do you always say that employees get so much severance when the government website uh says I only get one, maybe two weeks per year? John, when I hear those questions and I get those so often, I, I literally start kind of you know shaking kind of in anger uh, because it's so frustrating for me that the government, and this is not a liberal versus conservative thing. This has been going on for years, for decades, okay? So this is not picking on the government uh, of the day. Uh, A government can only advise you with respect to your minimum termination entitlements. And every day, the effect of that is that government misleads individuals with respect to their termination entitlements. So you may call the Ministry of Labor and find out that after four years, your minimum entitlements are four weeks pay. Yeah, sure they are. But your full termination entitlements could be easily eight months pay, months. So because of that, when you go on the Ministry of Labor's website, or if you call their 1-800 number and you ask them, how many weeks pay should I get if I lost my job? They'll tell you the week per year of service. That is not true. Those are only your minimum entitlements. That is not what you're actually owed. So when when I speak to you, when when you seek legal advice, I advise you with respect to your full entitlements because that's really all that matters. So no, you cannot go to the Ministry of Labor if you lost your job. Not now, not ever. You can go there for overtime issues, vacation pay issues, no problem. Not for losing your job. You call me, you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's a severance calculator tool right there that's free. If you don't like me or the pocket employment lawyer, you speak with another employment lawyer. Not a problem. But don't call the Ministry of Labor. They can't help you. It's misleading. It's wrong. And that's why the discrepancy. Again, 613-521-TALK is the number. You want to call in, ask a question. In that regard, we'll move on over to uh, Andrew. Andrew, thanks for uh, taking the time. Your evening. How are you? Not bad. You? Good, man. What's uh, what's on your mind? Well, it's not for me. It's more of my daughter. Like, uh, 
she's been temporarily laid off with the COVID-19, and it's a temporary layoff. So her boss has told her that she's got to do mandatory meetings via Skype, but she's not going to be paid for these meetings. So, no, uh, she's not allowed, Andrew, uh, or sorry, the employer's not allowed to make her do that. Anything that's mandatory is considered work. And if it's work, she has to be paid for it. So the reality is that uh, if she refuses, they can't discipline her for it. But keep in mind, they are allowed to, to let her go with severance because an employer can let someone go with severance pretty much anyone. Uh, so it wouldn't be cause for termination. It would be a termination without cause. So ultimately, she has to decide what she wants to do. But the reality is that, no, they cannot make her. And not, I'll, I'll say more than that. If she does attend a mandatory meeting, she can actually make them pay her. She can file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor for unpaid wages, and they would still have to pay her. You cannot require employees to do something on their time and then say you're not going to get paid for it. That's simply illegal, Andrew. With respect to unpaid wages, absolutely. Not if they let her go. She can't speak to them for that. But if she does attend and she wants to get paid for it, then absolutely it's the Ministry of Labor, 100%. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate the phone call. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and thanks for the uh, the input. You want to uh, add, well ask a question yourself? Just do it like Andrew. How quickly did that go down? Six one three five two one talk is the number again. Six one three five two one talk. Email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And by the way, when we're not on the air, a good resource for you anytime is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That is a, a wonderful website. All kinds of information on termination and temporary layoffs and wrongful dismissals. It's absolutely free. The there is a contact button at the top right. Otherwise, you walk away completely anonymous and you've got the knowledge in your head. We'll continue with more of the show. 613-521-TALK is the number. Taking a short break. This is the Employment Law Show. It is on News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer, Lior Samfiru, on News Talk 580 CFRA. 7.34, and you still got plenty of time to call in, ask your questions about your job, your employment. Maybe it's COVID-19 related, maybe not. That's okay. Bring it on, 613-521-TALK. That is the way to do that. You want to send along an email now or any other time. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And reaching out to Lior and the team, uh, when we're not on the air here, write this down. Keep it one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But back to this: very common questions you get asked every day. Can my boss refuse to give me the accommodation that my doctor says I need? So we started off the show by talking about the power, if you will, that a doctor has in terms of deciding whether you can and cannot work. But that's not the only thing that a doctor can do. The other thing that the doctor can do, a very important thing, is to determine what kind of accommodation you need. If you have a medical condition, for example, you may need modified duties or modified hours or maybe the ability to work from home, what have you. And you may not be healthy enough to do your job in the same way. And that's, that happens and it's common. Well, if your doctor outlines what the accommodation is, an employer has a very strict duty to try to make it happen, to try to provide that accommodation, even if it's not easy. 
even if it costs something. And the employer still has to make all efforts to do that. Now, it's certainly possible that it, it becomes too difficult or, or too costly. So in those situations, yeah, an employer may not have to provide that accommodation. But that standard is a very high standard, okay? So I've seen many, many situations where an employer doesn't try hard enough, doesn't want to, doesn't feel like it's their problem, so they decide not to accommodate. Well, that's a human rights violation. That's illegal. An employer must provide that accommodation. That's one of the most basic laws that we have under our human rights legislation is the right and the duty to be accommodated. The duty to accommodate is an important one. So if you can't do your job and your doctor says you need some accommodation, if your employer won't help you, they're not trying hard enough, they're saying, well, no, just uh, stay home and come back when you're better, we're not going to accommodate you. No, that is very likely a human rights violation. You should reach out to me as soon as possible. That's wrong. So remember, your employer has to accommodate if at all possible. Here on the air at Simple 613-521-TALK for the remainder of the show. The next one is this. You know, I work extra hours every week, but never get paid for them. When does my employer have to pay me overtime? Yeah, overtime issues. I, I certainly get that question very often, and, and it's something that employers, unfortunately, get wrong all the time. Employees, too. And So let's make it very clear. Overtime has to be paid if you work more than 44 hours a week which means anything over 44 hours, you get time and a half. Now, there's some exceptions. Probably the biggest exception is with respect to managers. So if you're a manager, then no, you're, you're exempt from overtime. Some other uh, professions, IT professionals, you know, doctors, lawyers, a few other categories. But for most people, you get paid overtime if you work more than 44 hours a week. Now, it's true whether you're an hourly employee or even if you're on a salary, even if you're on a fixed salary. And it goes beyond that. Even if your employer has not approved the overtime, as long as the overtime was necessary in order to get the job done, your employer still has to pay it. So there's no possibility for the employer to say, no, no, I, I didn't ask you to work it, so I'm not paying for it. No. If you worked it, if it, was, it worked in good faith, you're not just sitting there doing nothing to get paid, but if you actually legitimately worked and you had work to do, your employer has to pay it. So I'm not suggesting you work if your employer says not to, but I am saying that if it's legitimate and you have to work, your employer has to pay. So remember, hourly and salary, for those people that qualify for overtime, if you work more than 44 hours a week, you have to get time and a half. By the way, reaching out uh, when we're not here, Lior's number, one 821 You can also, anytime, go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That website's absolutely free as well. Talking about the most common questions you get uh, pretty much every day, and that is, you know, my boss is treating me really badly. In fact, he's harassing me or she's harassing me. What do I do about it? You know, workplace harassment is such a big issue. It really is. It's one of the questions, the scenarios that I get asked about very often, literally daily, and sometimes multiple times a day. So, you know, obviously it's a discussion of workplace harassment is not something that we can fully give justice to in a couple of minutes. But generally, remember, if you have an employer, if you're an employee, you have a right to work in a harassment-free environment. You have a right to work in an environment where you're not being mistreated or bullied or harassed. So what happens if, despite this, you are being harassed or bullied? Well, you have to give the company the chance, at least, to try to improve it and fix the problem. Your employer has that legal obligation to investigate and to fix the problem, to take measures to get rid of the harassment, to either discipline the person that, that's guilty, maybe even get rid of them in some situations, and to make sure that you're still working in a, in a workplace that's safe and healthy. 
Now, in some situations, if there's no one to talk to, well, who am I going to talk to? Or the owner of the company is the one harassing me, so who am I going to talk to? Yeah, in that situation, you can't talk to someone in the company, or maybe you try to talk with someone at the company, and nothing was done. They didn't fix it. They ignored it. They didn't investigate. Well, if that's your situation and you can't deal with it internally, then we have to deal with it externally. At that point, I can get involved. At that point, I can get you out of that bad environment, get you compensation because it's illegal to be mistreated and without the employer doing something about it, and then you can move on. Or even I may be able to get the the wheels in motion to kind of grease the wheels and give the company a bit of a kick in the pants so that they do their job. Either way, try to deal with it internally. If you cannot or you've tried and nothing's happened, let me deal with it. What I don't want anyone to do is to simply continue being a victim of harassment. I've seen situations dozens and dozens of times where it leads to a disability leave. uh, It impacts your family life. Not worth it. There's things you can do. If you can't resolve it internally, give me a chance to do it. The number six one three five two one. Talk to ask your questions here on the show for the remainder of our time. You can email help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get to a couple of those here in just a uh, just a few minutes. In the meantime, though, talking about very common questions you get every day, and this one, I imagine, in the next uh, maybe two, three to six months to a year, possibly, this will be happening with companies. You know. Not making the same kind of coin, possibly downsizing. That is, my employer has moved offices. Do I have to move with them? And what happens if I don't? Yeah, certainly it is something that I've seen often and we will continue to see, and especially with companies downsizing and they may have to move to to smaller space. I, I get that. So let's talk about it from the perspective of the employee. A significant change to the terms of employment is a constructive dismissal. It's not something that an employer is allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing applies to a change in work location. If now they've moved and that's a significant change for you, then you have the right to treat that as a constructive dismissal. Now, whether or not it's a significant change really has nothing to do with the distance. It's not about how many kilometers uh, away the company has moved. It has to do with the impact on you. How long is it going to take you to, to get to work now? So generally, my rule of thumb is an hour. If now it's going to take you more than an extra hour to get to work, more than an extra hour than it used to before, now we're talking constructive dismissal. Now we're in illegal territory. If it's you know 20 minutes more, it may not make you happy, but probably not much you can do about it. But if it's an hour or more extra time a day now to get to work than it was before, you will have a right to say no. And if the move still happens, you have a right to treat that as a termination of your employment and get your full severance. In some situations, the move itself could be a few kilometers. I, I had a client that was an older lady. She was walking to work for years. Uh, and the, the company now moved about 15 kilometers away, not very far. But now to get those 15 kilometers, she had to take two buses each way. It would have taken her well over an hour instead of a few minutes to get to work. So clearly that was a constructive dismissal because she wasn't driving, etc. So if it impacts you in a significant way, a move like that, John, can be a constructive dismissal. What if it's a case where you know you you really like the gig though, and it's like it, it it's it's a, it's kind of far away, but I don't know if I can hack it. Uh, maybe I'll give it a shot. Can you do that? Yeah, and that's certainly something that that happens often. You know, I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to sustain this, but I don't want to leave yet, so I want to give it a chance. Well, yeah, you can absolutely give it a chance. So there's two things. Number one, you can give it a chance, but you can only do that for a short period of time, a few weeks. And number two, though, to give it a chance, I want you to tell your employer that that's what you're doing. 
exactly as John just said. Tell your employer, you know, I, I want to work here. I like working here, but I have concerns about this extra commute and how that's going to impact me. So I'm going to try it for the next few weeks and see how it goes. After a few weeks, if you decide, yeah, it's not too bad, no problem. You continue working. If it is bad, then you still have the option to treat that as a constructive dismissal. So you can only do that for a few weeks and tell your employer in writing that that's what you're doing. If you do that, you will preserve your ability to say constructive dismissal. I want to get to one more of these before we move down to some emails. By the way, you still got time to call in 613-521-TALK. And this one is this. How many warnings does my employer have to give me before they can let me go? Yeah, so this is a, a very common one. Remember, it's very difficult to terminate an employee for cause. So if an employer is trying to terminate you for cause, i.e. without severance, they do have to give you warnings. Now, if your employer pays you severance, they don't need any warnings. They can let you go and pay you severance. But if the company is trying to say cause, no severance for you, they have to provide warnings. How many? It does depend on what types of misconduct you're being accused of. You know, it's one thing if you're... Uh, doing bad customer service as opposed to being late five minutes. But generally, rule of thumb, three. If you have three warnings and, and the, the conduct continues, you could potentially at that point be terminated for cause. Not in every situation, but three is generally a good rule of thumb. If you've been warned once and then the company says, well, we warned you that one time, now we're going to let you go for cause, that is still probably a wrongful dismissal. That is still probably illegal. In most cases, John, over 90% of cases, when someone is let go supposedly for cause, it's not cause. The company is not done what it's supposed to do to be at the cause level, and the person is still owed their full severance. We're going to uh, slide down to some email here as we uh, go to a break. He's got a couple minutes still uh, during the break to, to call and ask a question if you want to, either for yourself or on behalf of a friend or a family member. No problem. 613-521-TALK. And get that email lined up because we're moving that way. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is where we're going to go. It's the Employment Law Show, and this is News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Lior Samviru on News Talk 580 CFRA. 748 uh, here on your evening. Loving it. You want to call through? Got a few minutes still. 613-521-TALK. That is the way to do that. We're going to bounce over to uh, some emails here, pal. It's help at employmentlawyer.ca. By the way, when the show's done, you want to reach out further, have a uh, private conversation, one 821 would be the way. This one from Don says, uh, Leora, I received notice that our business has been sold to another company. No one has told me if I still have a job. Can I get severance? So it's an interesting question uh, because obviously at some point you will know if you have a job, right? At some point right. uh, you yeah. will know if you're going to continue working with the buyer. So it really comes down to that. If you're now not going to have a job, if the buyer decides not to hire you, then yes, you're going to be owed severance. Absolutely. Severance rules still apply in a sale of a business and the company that sold the business will have to pay you severance. Now, if you are offered a job and continue working with the buyer, then no, severance is not owed simply because your employment is considered to be continuous. So because you haven't been terminated, you simply continue working, then your severance is not paid, but your service, your years of service continue with the buyer. So you're not a new employee. So that's, that's a good thing and that's fine. 
Now, if you are offered a job by the buyer, but you decide not to accept it, depending on the reasons why you don't accept it, you may still be owed severance. So you, so that could happen as well. But bottom line is if you're out of a job now, you're owed severance. Even if you have an opportunity to, to have a job, but you choose not to, you could still be owed severance. You're going to reach out. But if you continue working, your seniority carries through. What happens if this uh, this buyer, or for all intents and purposes, new employer of yours, decides to slide a uh, employment contract across the table to you? Because it's very <laughs> likely they will, right? Sly employer that they are, right? Uh, so uh, an employment contract, an employment agreement, uh, a written document like that, as silly as it, it sounds for me to say this, but trust me when I say, is not a good idea. It's bad for the employee. Good for the employer, bad for the employee. So anytime and certainly in a sale of a business you don't want to have an employment agreement uh signed and and here's what could happen if you sign one with a buyer uh when you're offered a new job in a sale of a business one of the terms in that agreement could be to limit your seniority so even though i said your seniority carries through you can potentially give that away in an employment agreement so a buyer comes in and says, okay, we're going to keep you on, uh, John, but you need to sign this document. You look at the document and say, okay, good, they're keeping my salary, they're keeping my vacation, great. I'm going to sign it right now. Not realizing that there could be and likely are terms in there that could cost you tens of thousands of dollars, limiting your future severance, limiting your seniority, etc. So if you are being offered a job by a buyer or by your employer, really any time you're offered an employment contract, an employment agreement, you have to reach out. Let's review it. Let's understand what it says, what it does, what it doesn't do. Uh, if you don't care about it now, trust me, you're going to care about it later. Janet writes in, says, uh, guys, my employer let me go because they say I don't work fast enough. I've never had any complaints before. Did they have the right to do this? Well, you know, here's the thing. You you can be let go even though you don't think there's a good reason. If she's let go even though there's never been a complaint, she's never had an issue, she, that's legal as long as her employer pays her severance. So you may think, wait a second, they're saying they're letting me go and because I don't work fast enough, but I, I think I'm working perfectly well. Why is that legal? Well, unfortunately, as long as severance is paid, it is legal. What would be illegal is if the company said, no, your performance is bad, so we're letting you go for cause, and we're not paying you severance. In that situation, no. In that situation, they would have to show that they've warned you, that your performance was bad, that they gave you an opportunity to improve. And then, and only then, if you still are not doing a good job, maybe they can consider letting you go for cause. So it really comes down to severance. And the reason why when we're talking about termination of employment, I focus on severance. It's not because I have some uh, unusual interest in the topic of severance. It's because legally, that's what matters in the majority of cases. Uh, you, you could disagree with the reason. You may think they're lying about the reason. They told me they're letting me go because they're cutting costs. And I know that they're hiring 10 employees. So clearly they're lying. And they may be. But as long as they pay severance, they're allowed to lie as long as that severance is right. Now, keep in mind, John, and you know this, that in most cases, the severance actually offered is is a lot less than what the employee yep. is owed. 20 cents on the dollar, 30 cents, maybe 50 cents on the dollar. That's what makes it a wrongful dismissal. If you're let go and you're offered a lot less than what you're owed, like 90% of people, that is illegal. That's why you got to get advice. That's why you got to go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You can find out in seconds there what you're owed. Uh, remember, there's tools, there's ability for you to find out what you're owed, and it's not what's outlined in your severance letter. 
Well, we often jokingly say that, you know, you're, you wear a, a blue shirt one day to the office, your boss doesn't like it. If they pay you the proper severance, they can say, we don't like your shirt, so you're out of here. Probably would never yeah. happen, but legally they could do that, right? Yeah, it, that can happen uh-huh. or any other kind of silly example that we can think of can happen as long as severance is paid. Now, of course, there's limits to the company's ability to let you go for any reason, and probably the yeah. biggest limit is you cannot be let go for a discriminatory reason. You cannot be let go because of your disability or your age or ethnicity or religion. That would make it illegal, a human rights violation, regardless of how much severance you get paid. But if it's not discrimination, yeah, you can pretty much be let go for any reason as long as that severance is paid properly. Got time to get to Helen here. Yeah, for sure. Helen says, my boss is always very rude and demeaning. He yells at me regularly and puts me down in front of other employees. I've talked to HR several times about this, and they keep saying that they will speak to him. So far, nothing has changed. Uh, I'm very stressed, and I'm losing sleep. How do I make this harassment stop? Yeah, so it looks like Helen has taken my advice and done what she was supposed to, which is to try to talk to her employer and give the employer the opportunity to fix the problem. Remember, if you complain about workplace harassment, your employer then has that obligation. It's a very strict legal obligation, number one, to to take it seriously first, and number two, to investigate, to conduct an investigation. Whether they do it or they bring someone from the outside to do it, they have to investigate. And then if it's corroborated, they have to take measures to fix the problem. Oftentimes, employers drop the ball and they don't want to do that. They don't know how to investigate. They just think, well, you know, why should we deal with it? Let the employees figure that out. No, that's wrong. That's illegal. That's not how it works. So what I would say to Helen is this. If her main goal now is to try to find a way to continue working, let me remind her employer what its legal obligations are. When they hear from me, I promise you, they're going to take that seriously. Uh, and they're going to consult with their lawyer who's going to say, yeah, you, you better get your butt in gear company and start investigating and start taking it seriously. So that's one way to deal with it externally. Reach out to me. Let me remind gently or not so gently uh, the mm-hmm. company of what its obligations are. See how fast things change then. Uh, another Don tonight. Don says, uh, guys, I work in software sales and get paid commissions for the next fiscal year. My targets and quotas have been increased. I expect that my compensation is going to take a big hit. What do I do? So I see that often with commissioned salespeople. Uh, your targets are increased, uh, and but that doesn't mean that you have the ability to meet those targets. So that means right. you're going to make less money. So here's the thing. If if you've always had kind of the same targets, if, if they've been consistent, and your employer now is changing that, if they're, they're moving the goal po- the goalposts, then that's a change to the terms of employment. That's a change to your compensation. They're not allowed to do that. They may as well be saying, we're giving you a 20% pay cut. So no, your employer that decides to change the terms of compensation, the way your compensation is calculated, is not uh, is not an employer that's doing things right. So what does this mean for Don? Don can treat this situation as a constructive dismissal. Even though the commission percentage may not change, it's just the ability to earn the commission that's changed, that is still a significant change, still something that Don can treat as a termination of employment and get severance. Uh, I see often with commission people where the commission percentages change. I used to get uh, you know, a salary of this much and, and commission, commission of this much. Now I'm going to be 100% commission. Well, no, even that, the, the fact that you are now moved to 100% commission, that is also a significant change, also something an employer is not allowed to do. So anything that an employer does in the world of compensation that's mm-hmm. negative usually rises or gives rise to a constructive dismissal. And the concern is if you allow it to happen, for Don, 
okay, you know what, I'll work extra hard and I'll, I'll try to see if I can make this work. Well, the problem is next year, when the company now changes the, the targets even more, Don yeah. will not be able to do anything about it because she let it happen the first time. That's why you always have to start thinking constructive dismissal when your employer starts you know, changing terms of employment. We are uh, pretty much done for another evening. Appreciate all the emails and the phone call there. We'll uh, we'll continue on later in the week. And, of course, you can always contact Lior at any other time, 1-855-821-5900 is that phone number. Email we use is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the uh, website, check it out anytime, free, but tons of information. Answers a lot of questions just on its own, 24-7, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And we'll catch you next time on the Employment Law Show. It's right here on News Talk 580 CFRA.